Our guest today is the Reverend Paul Rasmussen, who is the senior minister at Highland Park United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas, and the producer of the Oscar-qualified film documentary, Into the Spotlight. Now, Into the Spotlight shares the backstories and journeys of adults with differing disabilities from the first call, offering them the part to stepping on stage. The film highlights the unique challenges and triumphs of the Spotlight musical theater participants and provides an inspiring look at the power of the performing arts to bring people together, create meaningful connections, and inspire community. A heartfelt story of how a script, a stage, and a theater program composed of adults with disabilities celebrate their creativity, explore life's complexities, and empower a community in their own words and in their own way. Reverend Paul Rasmussen envisioned sharing the story of the Belong Disability Programs from the perspective of these amazing teens and adults who are creating a newly inspired performance each year. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome our esteemed guest today, senior minister and film producer, the Reverend Paul Rasmussen and their Oscar qualified film into the spotlight to the show. Welcome. Ah, how you doing? We're so glad to be on the show today. Yeah, it's great to have you here. First of all, how did you get into ministry? Oh heavens, that's uh, that's a long story. I was a uh, I was a college basketball coach by trade and by passion and desire uh, for many many years. I, I coached at Centenary College in Louisiana, which was the smallest Division One school in in the country at the time, uh, and thought I'd end up doing that for the rest of my life. Uh, but I got married, and at some point decided I probably ought to have some kind of a more stable job with a little less travel, and I pulled the ripcord on that moved to Dallas to work for a sport marketing company and was there about 20 minutes and realized I didn't want to do that. And so at that point, I thought I'm either going to go back into, into coaching. But what I really loved about coaching was working with the young student athletes in a formative time of their life. And I thought, well, if you, if you take that and you, 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 you meld that with your, the faith element, that's, that's ministry. And I'm a fourth generation Methodist minister. I swore I would never do it in a million years. Um, but I really did like that, uh, opportunity just to work with young people and to kind of craft and help influence their life. And so I pulled the ripcord a second time and uh, with my wife's support and blessing, um, kind of quit everything I was doing, enrolled here at SMU at Perkins School of Theology. And I've been here at uh, Highland Park ever since. Well, I think one of the best things for young people is to give them a great uh, foundation of faith. I mean, it should be the foundation for all of our lives. And you're doing both of those things now. Yeah, when, when I was coaching, um, I didn't know this going into coaching, but w when the young men, in, in my case, men's basketball, uh, you spent three, four, five years recruiting them and developing a real strong personal relationship. And when they showed up on campus, uh, you were kind of a one-stop shop for them. You, you weren't a guidance counselor per se, but you were their guidance counselor because they didn't know who else to go to. Uh, you were not an academic counselor, but you ended up being their academic counselor because it was like triage. That's who they went to first. Uh, you certainly weren't a psychologist, but you kind of had to be their psychologist when they broke up with their girlfriend or whatever. And uh, so I used to spend a lot of time trying to uh, help form in them those core characteristics that I thought would be important long after basketball. And faith became, you know, became part of that. And so it just made made logical sense to, to roll that into ministry. Well, tell us about the Belong Disability Programs at the church. Yeah, we, uh, you know, Belong Disability, we have a long history of disability ministry here at the church. It's been going on 
for about a little over 20 years. And we kind of are driven by a question from time to time at our church. Is there a group out there that needs a church the most, but has access to one the least? Uh, any demographic, any particular demographic. Is there a group of people that need, in, in particular, the community of the church, not just the message of the church, but as important, the community of the church, but they have access to it the least. And 20 some odd years ago, we realized there was a giant need for churches to create healthier environments for families raising kiddos with disabilities. And it was very hard for them to find and, and establish themselves in a church. I, I read a book about that time called When Bad Christians Happen to Good People. Um, and it was about a church in, in Texas that uh, just was not capable of accommodating the needs of a family who had a child with some severe special needs. And it occurred to us that we probably had that same thing going on. We just didn't know it. So we started a, a, a very simple respite program where anyone who was raising a kiddo with, with any kind of disabilities uh, could bring their child to the church. And we had a team of volunteers and nurses and healthcare experts um, that could take them on for a whole night of four, five, six hours. And that started out once a month. And we had about five families take us up on it. Uh, from that seed bed of five families, that quickly grew to about 50 families. And then we doubled the program and made it twice a month and it grew, you know, more than doubled. And we recognized very quickly, there were a lot of families that did not have access to a church community. And, and, and access, of course, is, is defined in many, many ways. Um, it wasn't just about a wheelchair ramp, although that was part of it, or elevators or space, but it was also about a culture. It was about a culture of, of people who were willing to receive families raising children that might not just act the way other children act in a worship service or a youth group or a potluck dinner. And we just decided to try our best to, to break down the barriers and, and, and start that. So all that said, with one tiny respite program, uh, that grew into a multitude of programs, including worship services, Sunday school programs, day classes, night programs, and ultimately it, it led into uh, performing arts. That is an amazing, not only an amazing story, but it's an amazing, um, it's just, I am so happy that y'all reached out by faith to see what part of the community needs help. And yeah. you, you, you nailed it because I know a lot of churches are not well equipped or they think they're not well equipped to handle right. special needs. Of course, you know, if you don't think you are, that's when you need to go to the Lord and say, help me uh, to fulfill that need. And you did that. I mean, this is so inspiring. And I mean, my good, I, all I can tell you is many thanks for helping those, those people. But how in the world did Into the Spotlight show get started? <laughs> well, um, as the overall Belong Disability program was evolving and we realized there was a giant need for activities um, and fellowship opportunities for families that were kind of in this uh, circumstance, I had a, a, a lady show up in my office uh, one day named Sue Ringel. And Sue was a longtime member of our church and she had just returned from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And she had, uh, she showed up. I didn't even know why we were meeting. And she said, I just got off the plane from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and my nephew uh, has Down syndrome. And in Fort Wayne, they have a tiny community theater program for kiddos with disabilities. And I think we could do that here at, at the church. 
And so we said, well, we'll, well, look, let's look into it. If there's a need and we can meet it, let's let's do it. So long story short, through all the research in Texas, if you have any number of disabilities, you can stay in the public school system till you're 21. Now, you, you, you may have the mental faculties of, of a second grader at the time or any kind of physical disabilities, but you have access to the programming of the public school system until 21. And then after 21, you really fall off a cliff and there's a giant vacuum of, of activities. And so that, that fellowship and that rhythmic, consistent fellowship community gathering is really, really vital for these families. So when we launched Spotlight, based on Sue's prompting, she said, I think we could do this here at the church. We said, well, that would be great. And we launched it just to give these families an opportunity of consistency for fellowship. It really wasn't about the, the theater part of it. It was, uh, it was what can we do to provide them after 21 when they don't have anywhere to go in the afternoons. And so we thought the theater program would work. And uh, we uh, met some folks that said they would like to help and volunteer and a director. And um, we put it all together and we just started in, in one year. And when we met, when we met with the director, uh, she said, I don't want to do what we thought was we would just do uh, regular theater. We would take an existing script, Annie, get your gun, Oklahoma, uh, anything. And then we would just have an opportunity for these young men and women to participate in that. And she said, no, I don't want to do that. I, I want to do original uh, scripting. And we said, well, I, we were a little bit suspicious. We said, what would that look like? And she said, well, I think we can draw out of these young men and women a story that they want to tell. And then we can craft our own Broadway type musical. And I know nothing about a theater. And I said, fine, if you can do it, do it. And so we tried it uh, 13, 14 years ago with our first version. And they started in at the end of August and they began to script, develop, ideate, costume, uh, prop their own production. And, and again, though, what's so important was this was simply to give people consistent opportunities to meet and fellowship. And so they would do this on Sunday and it led all the way up to February where there was going to be a two night performance of the musical that they had created. And after those first two nights, that first February, 13 years ago, uh, we knew we had really created something that was uh, special and that nobody else was doing. And so not only did it meet that original goal of providing fellowship, uh, but they created one heck of a musical and everybody loved it. And we thought, okay, well, this is worth it. Let's, let's do that again. And it, it just took root. And now it's, it's, it's bigger than ever. You know, when I watched the film and I watched the whole film, I was so impressed because with what you're saying that, you know, Sue goes to these teens and young adults and pulls out of them. What would you like to do? Yes. And one of the biggest things that I received from your film is the amount of creativity and talent that is within these individuals. <laughs> and that to me was one of the most heartfelt, inspiring things that I'd ever seen. And that, you know, so many people need to look at people that have disabilities and, and special needs and realize that, you know, they're created in the image of God. And they have sure. the same power of creativity. They have gifts, talents, and abilities that the Lord has given them. 
and that they are inside waiting for somebody to prod and give them the opportunity for those things to come out. And I was, it inspired me. I was so happy after I watched the film. I'm like, everybody <laughs> needs to see this. Yeah. It's just incredible. Well, yeah, Dr. Bond, that's one thing we have really, really seen. Uh, and again, contextually, I'd love to tell you that we were geniuses. We thought this would be about young adults with some kind of disability performing Annie Get Your Gun. And it would just be a feel good thing. What we quickly learned was exactly what you just said. Uh, there was a gold mine of ideas, uh, stories, desires, passions that were within that had just never had a platform to be extracted and then cultivated. And they were able to do that. And it's, it's, it's as simple as getting in a room for a period of time with a whiteboard and saying, okay, what story do you want to tell? And then the ideas begin to flow and they whiteboard them. And the ideas are as random <laughs> and as myriad as you could possibly imagine. Uh, one year they will say, we want to talk about outer space. One year they want to say, we want to talk about a sock hop or a theme park, or we want to talk about music, or we want to talk about, sometimes it could be a really heavy uh, social issue. Sometimes it's all of the above. Uh, but all of those ideas are, are born from within their own heart. Now, some of these young men and women are nonverbal, and even they are able to convey enthusiasm for stories that they want to tell. And sometimes just out of the reaction of someone who's totally nonverbal, uh, the way they respond to someone saying, hey, could we do a musical about a theme park? Uh, then you realize, oh, they, they're, they're on board with this too. And so um, it's been a real joy, a real joy to see what comes out of, of the participants because it's things that you're not expecting and it's things that are far uh, richer and more robust than you might anticipate. And it's, it's pretty neat. I like the fact that your church stood up, took a step of faith, reached out to this type of community with families that have disabled teens and young adults, and you're showing the whole world that we need to view this these people as normal as can be, because when I saw the film, <laughs> I mean, even within the first four minutes, I even had tears in my eyes because I'm like, this is incredible. And then as the film progressed and to see every character, see their backstories and to listen to them talk, I'm like, why do we treat them differently? Yeah. Because they're not, they're maybe different from on the outside. But mentally, they're as smart as anybody. I mean, the yep. ideas and the work, the dedication, the creativity. I, I mean, I was taken back and <laughs> I was just sitting here going, wow, Lord, what an amazing work. And yeah. uh, Pastor, I got to hand it to you, but I've got to ask you some, some questions about this film because does the cast have to audition in spot to be in spotlight. No, uh, no, they, 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 they don't. There is a relationship building process and kind of a feeling out process. And when we started, uh, no one knew what we were getting into. And so we had a limited number that ended up being about the optimal number just by luck. Uh, now it's different because we have a giant waiting list of folks that want to do it. 
And it's a little bit of a problem, frankly, because the people that are doing it don't want to stop doing it because it's, it's so meaningful to them. But then you have other folks that want to do it. So the, the director and the, and the, the crew, um, they work a process of relationship building and kind of interviewing, but it's not an audition. It's not an audition. And they, they find ways to create a limited number of spots for people to repeat and then a limited number of spots for newcomers so that they can experience as well. And we're, we're trying to figure out a way to expand the program as a whole. Um, but you don't have to audition. You, you don't have to audition because it's not about uh, talent as, as we able-bodied people might define talent. Uh, it's about just taking someone that wants to participate and finding out how do we maximize, how we pull out something from them and then maximize creatively a platform for them to showcase that. Um, so it, it, it's not an audition process. It's just how many can we accommodate and what's the most uh, fair way to do that it, or, or more of a criteria than auditioning. Well, it makes some, makes perfect sense. Now, are all the cast members, are they members of Highland uh, Park United Methodist? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, no, and that's a nuance of, of the program that's really, really important. Um, as, this would be true, by the way, with all of our special needs ministry. Uh, you do not have to be a member of the church to participate. This is simply our church's expression. It's a gift to the community. Uh, and and in, our, in our disability ministry, we have a few non-negotiable rules. Uh, one of them is you don't have to be part of our church. You don't have to believe what we believe, uh, nor do you have to pay. Uh, it's all free of charge. This really is a, a gesture. We thought our church, from a resource standpoint, was able to do this. So we thought if we're able to do it, then we should do it. And we didn't want to put any restrictions on anyone because um, well, we just that was just one of our core values of this program. So you don't have to be a member of the church. You don't have to support the church. This is about the church giving back to the community in this way, period, the end, full stop. Uh, now, clearly from time to time, the folk, or more, more than time to time, but the folks that participate will end up being part of our church, but not all of them. And uh, that's just that's part of the, the, the value system for the for the disability program. You know, I, I love when churches reach out to the community. You know, there are church, you know, there are churches out there today that preach to the choir and they love <laughs> they love their group within their four walls. But then there are the churches like yours that reach out to reach out into the community uh, to bring people in to provide them something like this, you know, something sure. for them to do. And some, what I loved, there were elements of the film. I loved every element of the film, but there were things where I would notice were certain uh, cast members. Um, <laughs> it meant so much to them. Uh, and you, you're going to have to tell me the name of the, the young, the young girl in the wheelchair. I don't know if it was Nancy or Christy, Nancy, uh, Nancy. Nancy. and, when when they wheeled her on stage and and, and ha, you know a lot of the stage was already set up for the performance and just the look of awe and joy <laughs> and confidence that she had to pull out her phone just to take a selfie because she wanted to remember the moment and send it to her mom i was just yeah. like oh my gosh i mean we take things like that for granted yeah that, that's such a great scene in fact that's one of my favorites as well um and, and nancy would be a good um probably a good illustration of how the whole thing 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 works. Uh, you know, you mentioned churches and I, I certainly don't want to speak ill of any church. Um, but 
we have a saying around here that we talk about a lot that the church ought to be the one membership based organization that has a bias for the non-member now that's different than any other membership organization in the world uh consider a country club for example once you become a member the the influence and the, the interest and the intentionality is all about the member we flip it we, we think we are a membership based organization but our emphasis ought to be in serving the non-member if they become members well and good um, but that's the ethos of our church. We don't get everything right, but that's part of our ethos that we think is pretty important. I love that, Pastor. I absolutely love that. Now, what did the cast think about being filmed for a movie? <laughs> well, uh, a little bit like all of us, we didn't, we didn't know what we were getting into. We really didn't. Uh, we just thought we had a story to tell. And we thought this is a story that must be told because 12, 13 years into it, uh, I and everyone else around here had seen so many things happen in that time gap between August and February. Uh, and we thought every year something remarkable is, is surfaces out of this. And we, how do we capture that? And we thought a documentary might be a good way to do it. And so when we, we met some folks that were able to help us with that and uh, we didn't know, had no clue about making movies, uh, no clue what that would entail. What we said maybe just naively, but we said, you've got carte blanche, you've got the green light, uh, film crew, you have access to everything in the church uh, and access to the families. It, the families had to agree to it, but we, we, we worked that out on the, on the front end. And uh, we just didn't really know. So there was a lot of nerves and anxiety, and there was an evolutionary period where the first couple of months was pretty nerve wracking to have a camera in your face at all times. Um, but in time, that window of anxiety began to kind of clear up a little bit and everybody became more natural. Um, but it was a, it was a, it was a big learning curve because we were not in our element to have a film crew with us 24 seven. Um, but in, in, you know, in time, not only did they become more comfortably transparent, but I think they started feeling the part, like they were kind of superstars um, and, and, and celebrities in the making and that was just an added bonus. It was a feel-good thing. And, and to see them not only succeed in the, in the work they were doing on the theater, but to, for them to feel like, oh, I'm kind of a movie star here. Uh, we love that. And we're like, yo, you're the, you know, you're the best. And so we, we made the best of it, but it took a while to get comfortable in that space. Well, in the film, you integrated the stories of the various cast members. Why was this important? Uh, that's all from, from, from them. That's all from them. They, in that whiteboarding period or way back in early August, uh, you never know what's coming out, but sometimes they will talk about it. And in this particular case, we had a young man of color. Uh, it was on his heart to talk about some issues that he had faced in his life. And we had yeah, never Daniel. Really tackled Daniel. Uh, and so we thought, well, we never tackled that so that we put those up there on the whiteboard and then we don't, we don't censor it. The, the trick is how do you weave it in a, a creative tapestry that makes sense? Um, but what is important is determined by the cast members themselves. Nancy wanted to talk about uh, what it's like to be perceived as less than as someone that's in a wheelchair. Um, that came up. And then there's just some random creative ideas about what if we did it at an amusement park? Uh, someone also had lost um, a spouse. And uh, that was an important part, too. But how, how do we deal with grief? And you mentioned something a minute ago about these, these young men and women are every bit as smart as anyone else. In addition to, to being as smart as everyone else, uh, they also feel and hurt 
and celebrate and experience joy and pain and trial and suffering the way that everyone else does as well. And so you don't know out of that pool <laughs> uh, of feelings, you don't know what's going to come up on that whiteboard. But when it does, uh, we just say, okay, now it's our job to figure out how to, how to make it creative and compelling. Uh, but everything that you saw on the screen was their own ideas about what they wanted to, to talk about. And, and that will happen again this year and next year and on and on. Well, you know, during the filming and the pre-production of the musical, uh, did the loss of Margarita change any of the dynamic of the production of the musical at that time? Oh, yeah. Mark's uh, car wreck and subsequent death was a, a, a shocker. I, I sat down with the, the film crew um, before filming started, before pre-production started, and I said, uh, I said, I cannot tell you what will come up this year. I don't know what will happen this year, but I can tell you this. Uh, a lot will happen of the normal kind of vicissitudes of life. Uh, this will be like a microcosm of that. And by that, I meant there will be loss. There will probably be death. Um, not that statistically there's always a death, but you're dealing with the realities of a family and you're dealing with a lot of medical issues. and. Uh, you, you see, even if not death, hospitalization. Uh, and so I told him, I can't promise you what's going to come up, but I know something will come up. Uh, I was not anticipating a, a, a fatal car wreck, nor was anyone else. And so when that happened, um, everyone was really sh shocked, devastated. It's probably an overused word, but everyone was devastated because Mark was such an in integral part of the pretty much well he was an integral part of the creative part but he was equally integral in just the relational emotional part uh the young men and women really love and trust mark and when mark tries to encourage them they really feel it and when mark corrects them they really feel it and so he was a big deal and then one day mark's not here and then you have a decision to make independent of the film how do we communicate that to the participants and then how do we deal with that? And then how do we help grieve that? And then, of course, the question became was, do we film that? Do we capture that? And the deal on the front end was, look, we're not going to censor this. We may not use everything, but it, we probably owe it to the process to capture everything because this is a reality of their world in this moment. And so we did kind of green light capturing how we process that and then determined that it was worthy tactfully to be part of, of the film. But it was a really, really big blow emotionally and psychologically to the cast and crew. And we did our best to, to convey that on, on, on the screen as, as meaningfully as we could. Uh, but there was a lot more obviously behind the scenes. It was just deep, deep, deep. And But it's the reality of, of what this group is about as they evolve from September to February. Yeah, well, and it's a reality in ministry. I mean, sure. you have babies being born and being dedicated, and then there are tragic circumstances that happen and that a pastor has to be there 24-7 for a lot of the time when, you know, things happen and funerals happen. You know, the yeah. list goes on. And, you know, and y'all handled it with tremendous grace. Mm. Thank you. And how did, how did the crew... Uh, rally together because the the one woman that was really you know uh, in charge and leading and getting 
she seemed rattled. Uh, uh, rattled would be an understatement. Um, Mark was her, was really her rock. And that sounds like a cliche, but he was really her rock. And she counted on Mark. In fact, she, she insisted every year that Mark be part of the staff. And she said, you know, I'm not going to do this without Mark. And then again, Mark wasn't there one day. Um, and she was rattled, but pulling herself together and having to offload some of the uh, dependencies that she had on Mark to other volunteers and other staff members was part of the process. And it was either going to work or it wasn't going to work, uh, but we, we, we captured it. But it was really tough, really tough on her. Well, the whole, the whole story was incredible. I mean, even my grandmother worked with special needs uh, kids and young adults her whole career. And, and I love the fact that your film showcases, again, their creativity, their talent. Uh, for you, what was the most inspiring moment in the film? <laughs> uh, the most inspiring moment of the film? That is a good question. I've seen it now so many times, so many times. But uh, I'm, I'm drawn, I hate to single out, it's like having kids and pick your favorite. But uh, I was really drawn to, to Daniel and his story of, 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 of not only the issues about, about racism that, he, that we processed in the film, um, but his talent as a drummer and trying to find an avenue and a platform to use those gifts and graces. Um, okay. That's probably a little bit personal because I've always wanted to be a drummer and I can't do it. I can't keep time and it's just been impossible for me. And so when I watch a young man that can keep time and was exceptional, exceptionally talented as a drummer, but then I recognize the opposite of me. He really has no opportunities. If I want to play the drums, I've got a million opportunities. Um, and so to see his story evolve and to know how important him being able to contribute his talent on screen was, um, and then to see that opportunity and the opportunity about got cut about five times, <laughs> um, but somehow we were able to keep it in there. Uh, but watching Daniel's arc was, was real inspiring uh, for me. Yeah, it was. And I loved, you know, even when the moment when he's told, hey, we're going to have to remove that, that, <laughs> that, that drum solo out because, you know, Na Nancy is very sensitive to right. uh, loud noises. And, and the way, the way that, you know, he handled it, <laughs> he took the high road. He was disappointed. And, yeah. but then when they figured out how to bring it back in, you know, his response is, you know, he's very, um, he's very calm, uh, but, but within him, there was this burst of relief and excitement and you yeah. kind of saw it on the, the FaceTime, uh, phone, uh, in that scene in the movie. And then you finally see him smile. And <laughs> I was just like, Oh, I was so thankful. I'm like, they, they, they fit it in. They fit it in. Cause I know I was like, Daniel needs this. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta make a way. And you did. And you know, that's what I loved about this film. There were so many, there was a little bit of ups, there were some downs and, but it was just so inspiring. And what is the name of the, uh, the young man that uh, sings and plays piano? He was the one with the, uh, the, the, the blue sparkly jacket. Oh, oh, that's uh, Jason. Jason. Jacob, 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 Jacob. Jacob. I was so impressed um, more about his talent, the way that he, uh, he practiced, 
the way he focused because it was, you know, it wasn't not only important to him, he knew it was important for everybody else. And, um, and I just love his sense of, his sense of empathy, uh, in, in the film, but I just loved every single person. And I also loved, and ladies and gentlemen, this is this film. You literally have to watch. This is a must see film into the spotlight. But one of the things that, that impressed me more pastor was the fact that the focus was placed on those with the disabilities. You rarely focused on anyone that was able-bodied like us. So that way the whole story was told through their experience and through their eyes. And that's what made this film, Hey, it's Oscar worthy. Well, yeah, that was, um, and I love it again to tell you that we're super intelligent and we knew what we we're doing. Uh, that's probably something that we chose to do intentionally that probably paid off, but we did make a very conscientious decision to keep the perspective from the disabled. I mean, for, from all the perspectives is from the viewpoint of the disabled. And that um, that's part of the ethos of the whole belong disability is that, for example, if, if, if you're going to see a documentary about anybody with disabilities, um, most of the time, and it's not right or wrong, but most of the time, there's a lot of input from clinicians or parents um, or psychologists or doctors or scientists about what the characters are feeling. And there's kind of a third party narrative or perspective. Uh, we decided that we were going to make it all about the perspective of the disabled, with the exception of a couple of the volunteers that are in there and the director. Um, but that's why you don't see any of the staff members. That's why you don't see me uh, or anyone else at the church that's part of it, because we want it to be about the young men and women and what they are going through. And we made that decision for right or for wrong. And I think it worked. I think it I think it makes the film better. Um because it is about them and we wanted the story to be about them and the realities of their life. And all we were trying to do is capture the realities of their life as expressed through this process called spotlight. And to do that, we thought, well, let's not waste footage and film on able-bodied folks. Let's just keep it right there. And hopefully it worked. No, it did work. And I love the fact that the staff, the crew, they didn't baby them. They, you know, if, if she's directing the musical and she's yelling out orders and say, you two get off the stage or, or whatever. I just thought it was kind of funny because I'm like, you treated them with great respect, regardless if you were getting irritated with a scene or whatever. I love the realism of the documentary and ladies and gentlemen, one of these, one of the biggest things that society is dealing with is the spirit of judgment. And we got to cut it out. And this is a film that does that. This is a film that when you watch it, for a lot of us, we probably probably should be slapping ourselves in the face and <laughs> and tell ourselves knock that knock that out and knock that off and realize that, you know, God created every single one of us for a reason and for a purpose and a destiny and we may not be created in perfect bodies, but there is a purpose mm -hmm. and there is things that, you know, God does that we don't understand, but I can tell you one thing, this film uh, has a hand of God on it because it is that fantastic. Now, pastor, I got to ask you if, 
if the film gets nominated for an Oscar, are you going to fly the whole cast and crew out there? Well, let me tell you, uh, the, the, the fact that it's even in the orbit of a conversation about Oscar is so mind boggling to us and so far beyond what we had anticipated. We certainly didn't have a goal to make an Oscar worthy film. We literally just wanted to tell a story. If it in fact is worthy of such discussion, we feel really honored and blessed. If for any reason it were to be nominated, we would maximize and take everybody that we could possibly, <laughs> that the Oscar folks and or the law would allow we, we would celebrate as widely as we could possibly celebrate. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing. When it comes January and they announce nominations, I, I, I'm I going to be praying that they announce uh, your film and uh, I'll be watching Oscar night or if, if either I'm going to be watching or I'll be there and I'm going to be cheering you on. You know, I said, Lord, pick this one, pick this one. Pick and this one. Uh, But for you, will you and the church, will you, uh, be producing more films since the success of Into the Spotlight? <laughs> Woo! That's a loaded question. Um, we don't know the answer to that. We, we, we are so far out of our comfort zone, although we're becoming more comfortable with it because of the success of the film through the different film festivals that we've been to. Uh, we've had a lot of requests to do an, another one of these a sequel. Uh, we've had multiple requests to turn it into a, um, a series where you're filming it over like a reality show almost where you drop a different episode every week or however long you want to. Uh, we're trying to process all that. We're, we're not ultimately at our core. We're not in the filmmaking business. And so we don't want to get too distracted. However, we don't want to ignore um, the fruit, not financial fruit, but the storytelling fruit of these stories that need to be told. So that's a long way to say, we don't know yet. Uh, we are considering every opportunity and determining if we have the bandwidth to do it as a staff and as a group of volunteers. Uh, but if there is a story and if this story is truly worth continuing to be told, we'll figure out a way to do it. Now is the church, uh, do y'all provide the belong disability program as satellite programs to other churches? We don't provide the program, but we do provide a lot of counsel. Uh, and one of the beauties of going around the country to these different film festivals is we've met so many different people that are in the disability uh, services space, and they have all wanted to know how we do this, what does it cost, what does the infrastructure require, what does the organizational model look like? And we give all that away free of charge. So if we can go out to anybody's church and and tell them about how we do this. And, and not just the theater part, but all the way back to that respite program that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, we help many, many churches launch these kind of programs. And we do that gratis. We do that free of charge because if we've been blessed with any measure of success, uh, we feel obligated to share it. So we don't have a formal consulting part of our operation, but we get a lot of calls about how are we making this happen and we've been pretty uh, uh, pretty open about helping people. Well, Pastor, what an amazing ministry, what an amazing work, what an amazing accomplishment. And ladies and gentlemen, Into the Spotlight was directed by Emmy Award-winning director and scripted and documentary film and television Thaddeus D. Matula. He is best known as the director of the ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries, Pony Excess and Brian and the Boz with the former landing as the most watched documentary premiere in ESPN's history. 
Now, the Spotlight Musical Theater is a theater group composed of older teens and adults with disabilities who work with a professional artistic team for six months to create and perform in an original musical. Now, Spotlight Musical Theater is part of the Belong Disability Program, a community initiative at Highland Park United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas. Now, the programs are free and open to anyone in the Dallas-Fort Worth area who is or has a family member affected by a disability. Now, for more information about the film, visit intothespotlightdoc.com or for the program, visit hpumc.org slash belong slash spotlight. We'll have that information available uh, at the bottom of your screen and after the after the interview. And I want to thank you, uh, Reverend Rasmussen, for sharing this wonderful film with us today. Uh, many blessings to you and everyone at Highland Park United Methodist Church and keep that ministry going. Well, I, Dr. Bond, this has been real fun to be on your program. Uh, really, really excited about it. Thank you for all your affirmation and your kind words. And just keep us in your prayers. We hope the film just does better and better. Uh, well, you are definitely in our prayers. And ladies and gentlemen, if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you're looking for a church family, you're looking for a church that, well, belongs strongly in community, check out Highland Park United Methodist Church. They will accept you with open arms. And if you're a family with special needs, uh, kids or teens or adults, this is the place you need to be checking out. And again, Pastor, I want to thank you for coming on to the program. It's been not only fun, it's been absolutely uh, inspiring and even motivating and give all of our blessings to the cast and crew over there at Highland Park. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for watching. And for those of you who have been listening today, I'll see you next time.